computer. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Explore Spirituality and College Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Beggs, and I'm joined by Sabrina Etheridge. Right? Hi. Yes. How are you? I wish you could be right. Hi. So glad to chat with you, Sabrina. Um, I'll tell you why here in a second, but first, would you just for the folks who are following along, who are listening, um, tuning in, tell them just a little bit about yourself and uh, then we'll get going. Um, yeah, so I'm Sabrina. Um, I'm a senior at UCM. I'm studying child and family development and I'm a McNair scholar. Do fun stuff there. <laughs> Yeah, tell people about McNair. Tell people what McNair does. Yeah, so McNair is for, um, I mean, it's for everyone, really. But we get to do, like, all kinds of cool things. It's kind of like a grad school prep program. Like, they yeah. get you ready to go into grad school. So they help you with, like, your resume and your CV and your personal statement and all of that. But the fun thing is, like, you get to, like, um, propose a research project. Mm -hmm. And so I just did a project with Dr. Hardenstein over the Enneagram and parenting styles. And that was like super fun, but also it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So I, I'm familiar with the Enneagram. That's what, that drew me to reach out to talk to you about it. But for people who've never heard about it before, and I know you got to talk about it a lot in your presentations, tell people briefly what the Enneagram is, what it does. Yes. And also why you're interested in it. What it is, what it does, why you're interested in it. Okay, um, what it is, it's a personality model. Um, there's nine different types of personalities and they're real simple to keep track of because they're all called type one, type two, type three, like it's real simple. Um, what it does is it focuses on your inward motivation. So like a lot of personality tests focuses on how you behave outside of yourself, but the Enneagram really focuses on who you are on the inside, which I thought was really cool. Um, what I like why I was interested in it I kept seeing it on my Instagram and like friends were like oh I'm type this and I'm type this and I was like what is this what are we doing and so the Enneagram I, and coffee yes That's what they got you. yeah yes. yeah me too yeah I was like what's going on and so then I started to look at it more and I was like wow this is like really cool and it kind of played in a lot to what I was learning in my child and family development classes and so I was like you know what we'll just go with this we'll do the whole thing right and so you started to do research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did research. I focused it on parenting styles because I think like we don't really like we know how parenting styles work, but I think it's interesting to see how like how we feel on the inside, like translate to how we treat our children on the outside. So I don't know. It thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm interested in that. I'm also I am a parent, so doubly interested in that. Um, it, what led you to consider just parenting? What, what, why, of all the things to think about, why, why parenting? Um, I think parenting is like kind of starting to change a little bit. Um, I know for me, so like I have two younger brothers and the way my parents parent my baby brother, who is 15, was a lot, is a lot different than how they parented me when I was at 15. Sure. So I think it was kind of, like that was kind of what sparked it originally it was like my parents don't parent the same way but also like Fisher like my baby brother he has so many other things that like challenges that I didn't have at 15 like I didn't have to right. do smartphones and like 
technology the way it is now. And so it's like, it's kind of interesting to see how parenting has changed. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think I'm going to get it right, right when my kids move out. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. Everybody's doing their best. You got to give yourself more credit. Maybe you're right. And if not, I'll just have them go see you. Okay. Okay. So, um, the podcast is about spirituality in college and what led me to reach out to you one, we knew each other a little bit, you know, I'd say acquaintance level. Um, but I saw your research poster and the talk about the Enneagram and you mentioned a few people in there whose work I'm familiar with. You mentioned, um, Ian Morgan, uh, Crone, you mentioned, um, uh, father Richard Rohr, some other, uh, those are two that come to mind who I know have been, um, especially Richard Rohr, very influential to me. Uh, so I thought, oh, wow, it's not every day I walk across a college student who's talking about some of these authors, some of these mystical, um, well, I wouldn't even say mystical, but um, let's just say authors talking about spirituality. That's not something that I see a lot among young people talking about in college, but it's a conversation I'm interested in having. So. What do you want to begin? We don't have any agenda. I didn't send you anything ahead of time besides, hey, do you want to talk? Um, tell me about, like, the household you grew up in, spirituality. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so we, like, we're a Christian family. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, we don't really have a denomination. I know that's a big thing. Like, I went to Christian school for, like, nine years of my life, and a big thing is, like, denominations. They're everything. Sure. But I, yeah. we don't have one. Like in my house, Christianity is more about your relationship with Jesus and like God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity more than it's like, we were part of this denomination and we have to follow all of these things that they do, which like, I think is yeah. great. If you want to follow rules, if you want to do that, go for it. If you don't, don't. But like, at the end of the day, as long as we all like love Jesus, that's really all that I'm here for. <laughs> sure. And have you always had that kind of thought about it or is it something you've kind of over the years developed? No, so I didn't really, um, like, I grew up in a Christian home, like, like, I've known the Bible inside and out since I was a little kid, but I didn't really, like, make it my own, like, personal faith until my junior year of high school, so I'm still kind of learning the ropes of, like, having a relationship with Jesus, but sure. I, the Bible, like, that has, I mean, when you grow up in a Christian household, I think we can all, like, we grow up with veggie tales and, like, Bible stories, like, we know all of it, but I think it's something else entirely to have that own, your own personal relationship with it. So, so you said you kind of, in high school, it's something that became personal for you. What was it like to still be in a religious setting and, and say, oh, I don't know if this is really a thing for me yet? What was it like to be in that? Um, it's, it's a very interesting, Christian school is a very interesting culture in and of itself. Um, you need to go into this because I'm very interested about it. When I say need to, I'm inviting you to go into it. Okay. So I started at a Christian school in the fifth grade. Yeah. And, um, so it's like upper elementary, mostly what it means when you say Christian school is like your teachers are Christian, you know, you got Bible sure. verses all over the like school and everything. Yeah. But, like, for Bible classes, you learn about Bible stories. So it's mm -hmm. like everything that you learned in Sunday school or at church, just like more in detail. It's not really, you memorize Bible verses. Like it's not anything different than if you were like going to learn about 
English or math. Like you have certain sure. things that you have certain concepts you have to understand. You've got math, English, science, Bible. Yeah. Like yeah. that's pretty much how it was up until um, eighth grade. In eighth grade, we kind of started, we took a class over uh, Psalms, like just over the book of Psalms in the Bible. And that was kind of when I was like, um, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, as you get older, they get more into like, you know, the basis of it. I think um, junior year was probably like that, like when I started to get more like personal about it, I was like, oh, I have misunderstood everything like that I had learned like because I knew the Bible I knew all the stories but I misunderstood yeah. like the personal connection to each of those things and how they all bring you back to Jesus so I think that moment yeah. was kind of like ah okay so what was that moment for so for you where you're like what was it like to be in that and realize oh maybe there's I've had this wrong can, can you was it like a process or was it it what was, was that like for you? It was a bit of a process. I mean, yeah. um, so like we did chapel at my school. Like you, you have chapel once a week, which is basically like church, but you're at school. Yeah. And I remember sitting in chapel one day and I was like, now, you know, now that I have Jesus, like now that I am following him, like for real, I feel like I like, I was like, wait a second. Chapel is not just something that we do at school. Like it's like, an outward yeah. expression of the fact that we are following Jesus, that we are here for him. And, yeah. and I was like, oh. So I think that was probably the first like shocker of like, wait, I've been doing this wrong. But then mm -hmm. I think like you could probably ask anyone who loves Jesus, loves the Lord, who is a Christian. But like the more you read the Bible, the more you kind of realize how each thing brings you back to Jesus. And so you read the Bible as you like get further into your Christian faith and like I've been reading the Bible a lot more since junior year in high school. And like to read it for yourself, you're kind of like, wait a second. Like even in the old Testament, like you're like, wow, like I can see now how this whole thing has been planned from the very beginning. Like it's, it's cool. So I think yeah. to be able to like go to class and be like, Hey, I get this now. Like your teachers mm -hmm. love that. Like that's also like the best part about going to a Christian school. I think is when you can finally be like, Hey, like I'm following Jesus and all your teachers are like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Let's talk about it. Let's get you into it. And like, I don't know. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying in a Christian school, there may not even, there may not be Christians in a Christian school. No, there's that's not. Maybe, that might surprise people. That might honestly. Yeah. That might surprise people. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to find a Christian school that is a hundred percent Christian students. Like your teachers will be, your staff and your admin, like all of those people will be, but there's not going to be students yeah. that, are all, that are Christians. Like there's just not. Sure. But I think that's such a cool thing though, is that they still get to come and learn and like have mm -hmm. those seeds planted. And maybe one day they'll wake up and be like, wow, all those people right. were right. Let's, let's get in it. Let's connect with them again. Right. And so you've been going, so you said this happened junior year. You're not a senior in college. So you, so What's it like for you being someone who grew up in that environment, but then it's something that you claim for yourself and then you go off to college. What's yeah. that been like? That it was a very interesting experience. My first year of college, I actually didn't go to UCM. I went to a Christian college my first year, like my freshman oh. year of college. Yeah. And I actually left because it was a Christian college. Really? Which is funny because like I'm a Christian and you'd be yeah. like, you think I'd want to be like, in a, but it was like, it's like everything like Christian high schools and like 
elementary schools and preschools are really easy to make non-denominational, but once you get to college, it's really hard to make it non-denominational. And so to go to school that's like a certain denomination, they're going to tell you about, you know, how they view the Bible, how they view God. And I was just sitting there like, I can't really get on the same page. Like, I really cannot get with you guys. So I was it was it you just disagree with their conclusions or you just didn't like the tactics or both? A little bit of both. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, we like everyone was like, do you love Jesus? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, OK, cool. Like we're all, like we yeah. were all friends. But like there was also that level of like I wanted an education and like things outside of the church and they sure. educate me within the church. And I was like, eh. There's a whole world outside of Christianity. And like, obviously yeah. I want to like share that with them. I want to share the joy of Jesus, but I also want to be able to have those conversations. Like yeah. if I'm going to talk to the world, I would like to know how the world is talking. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I understand that. So how did you know you had to go? Were you just, did you wake up one morning and you're like, I'm done. Did you take your, the, uh, your college hoodie and toss it in the trash? What'd you do? No, I, um, I asked, I was in class one day and I asked about, I was originally an education major and I asked about, um, cause this was back when, um, like having students that came to you in elementary school and said, I'm a boy or I'm a girl. And they're like, actually like a different gen, like the gender was like everywhere and elementary students were starting to realize like they could be other genders. And I was like, what are you supposed to do as a teacher? Like, how do you include that person in your classroom? And my teacher's response yeah. was, well, you're not really going to have that problem. Like, you're a Christian. And I was like, but I am going to have that problem yeah. because I'm in the world. Like, this is where we live. And I, like, I yeah. want to be able to include everyone in whatever situation I'm in. Like, I want to love yeah. them and care for them. Like, how is the best way to go about that? And so I think after that, like, in class, I was like, um, let me just rethink this decision <laughs> she's saying i want to be a teacher and i may not work in a christian school yeah and so in a, in a or i may work in a christian school and still may encounter this this situation and okay. i want to know you know what, what would i do you know i mean that's i'm thinking like you know if i'm if i'm in a i don't know like training to be working at pizzeria you know, and I'm thinking, hey, I I want to know how to make dough. And they're like, well, you don't have to worry about that because we already buy our dough. I'm like, well, what happens if the delivery doesn't come and the restaurant opens? You know, I need, I need to know, learn how to make dough. You know, exactly. but then yours, I, I, I may, maybe if I take it a step further, um, maybe with this analogy that I'm torturing, we're saying, oh, you shouldn't make your own dough. Yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> it was a very, it, yeah, it was an interesting moment of my life. I was like, oh, well, I don't know if I like that. So Sabrina, it's, I don't think it's a secret to say there are people in Christianity, though it's a big, it's a big religion. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm also a Christian, but, um, you know, I realize that there's a lot of different, you know, we, we those of us who are in it know that, like you mentioned, denominations, a lot of differences there. Um, you knew that in that choice, you were sharing something that might put you at odds with someone else, right? Maybe it puts you at odds with your college. Um, what was that like knowing that I'm going to say something that might be fraught for these, 
these people would like to have that conversation? Um, I mean, I'm not someone who's like, I mean, I used to be like so shy and like scared and timid about anything. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I'm really just like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, this is what I'm doing. But I mean, yeah. at, the, at the root of it all, it's like, so the, like Jesus calls us to love everyone, to love sure. everyone, to love our enemy, to love everyone. So I think at the heart of like any conversation that I have about that, it's like, okay, how can I love this person while also being like, hey, this is how I'm thinking. This is how I believe. This is what yeah. we're doing. And I think like that kind of has helped a lot, especially in college. Cause I know, yeah. like, I mean, especially I'm not at a Christian college anymore. So like right. if I'm gonna say something in class or I'm going to say something to a classmate, like I'm going to be like, how can I say this with love and not with like the hate and the intensity that some people like relate to the Christian church, I think. Yeah. And I'm also hearing as I'm just listening to your story, the kind of the way that you've approached living this religion for you is that there's not a central set of like principles where it's like you see these different groups and they've all staked their claims and you're saying uh, I'm going to go for I'm going for a bigger understanding of this which means I'm going to have less or fewer claims about it besides maybe the central maybe what I consider the most central and I'm just hearing you talking about like um, an understanding of Jesus at the center uh, understanding of love at the center and then maybe the other things for you are peripheral yeah my my thing about being a christian is like if jesus said it in the bible if he told us to do that then i should probably be doing that everything else is like personal preference yeah but like yeah. if Jesus told you to do something like you should you should probably be doing it <laughs> yeah so to me it sounds like you had this conversation you're like this isn't the place for me I'm transferring, but I could be making a lot of leaps here. Was there a, a lot of conversation, a lot of thinking, a lot of wrestling, sleep loss, difficult conversations? I might have to change up my plan. Walk me through it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for one thing, there were a lot of other things that went into me transferring. I was homesick all the time. I miss my family. Um, Oklahoma was like not my jam. <laughs> sure. Um, I would like to go back to Missouri. So like, obviously those things kind of added into it. I was already questioning it. And then that conversation kind of like sparked like, mm, is this really what I want to do? And then I kind of like, I remember talking to my therapist about it at the time and just being like, Hey, like, I don't know what I want. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Like I yeah. kind of put in with, like, I'm going to be an education major. I'm going to be a teacher. And it was like, I took all those education classes my first semester and I started my second semester and I was like, I don't think I want to be a teacher. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. My therapist was like, okay, well, let's think about it. And so I ended up wanting to do child and family development and they didn't have that major. And so then at that yeah. point, I was like, well, I'm not really here for this like yeah. Christian bubble. I'm not really here for like living in right. Oklahoma. Like, I kind of want to go home. Like, you yeah. know what? Let's just, let's just transfer and well, you, so the way you tell the story is you're like, when someone has these major kind of changes in her life, you are like game with them. Like, okay, the school's not working out. Let's go. This major's not working out. Let's go. I'm not truly a Christian, so I'm going to become one. Let's go. Yeah. Is that how it is for you? Or is that kind of looking back? That's how it was. Or you looking just kind back, of, I mean, it's kind of both. Like, I'm, right. I'm one of those people that, like, I will either 
stress about a decision forever and never actually make it or I'll impulsively just be like yep let's go I'm let's go we're doing it like yeah there's no in between it's like sometimes it's like I'll sit with it for hours and hours and like when I had to actually transfer to a college I literally took all summer looking at colleges in my area and just like agonizing over it yeah. whereas like the actual decision to leave was like instant I was like we're leaving like we're done I so, want to move on to other stuff but I have one more question about this time where you had this moment of incongruence or, or put another way just a time where you're you realize I'm not going to keep going on this path in this Christian college in Oklahoma now for some people when they have that experience like you have where um let's say they're in a system that they feel like doesn't match their values so theirs is like let's say we're exclusive for these reasons we don't believe that you're we don't ascribe to your understanding of gender we have a different understanding and one that we think is popped up by the way we interpret the bible and you have another one where you're saying well the way i interpret my faith and the bible leads me to these conclusions a lot of my values and then you decide this is where we part ways i notice some people when they have that sometimes it sends them into a time of intense doubt and questioning where um in some cases not all but some uh leave the faith for a time or or at least begin a period of um, being critical or deconstructing some of the beliefs that they've inherited um, I don't want to assume that you didn't have that, but I didn't notice it in the way that you talked about the story. Yeah, I, people do leave, like they leave the faith for time, they come back. I totally get that. I mm -hmm. think for me, the one, the one reason I didn't is because I spent so much time before just like wandering and like miserable and having the worst life ever. Not really. Like, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like terrible. And so I think for me, it was like, okay, looking back to my life without Jesus and comparing it yeah. to my life with him, like, yeah. am I really about to leave just because the people in charge aren't like meeting my expectations? Like at the end of the day, Jesus is in charge of Christianity. And I'm like, yeah. well, he ain't changing. So I, yeah. he's consistent. Let's just keep going. We'll find somewhere else that fits. Like, sure. It was never a matter of like leaving the faith. It was just a matter of leaving the people who I thought were in charge of it. Um, yeah. And I think once I realized that people aren't in charge of Christianity, like we are just like extensions of it, that was yeah. like a big light bulb. <laughs> so I realized I had something off in this conversation, at least incomplete. When you were talking about kind of your conversion experience, um, I kind of took it as face value, like, hey, I grew up in this, but, you know, it was someone else's thing, and then it became my thing. But, you know, as we go on, you talk about it more, you kind of alluded to there is a time of of, of maybe some inner turmoil and questioning that preceded that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was like a teenager, like. Sure. When you're like a teenager, like number one, you think you are invincible and on top yeah. of the world, like you are like nothing can stop you. Yeah. But also believing that led me to make choices that ended up blowing up in my face. Sure. I'm like, okay, so my whole life is falling apart. 
I felt terrible. And then it was like a reminder of like, hey, I've grown up in this faith my whole life. Like, I wonder if this is where I'm supposed to put that into play. Like, is uh-huh. that how that works? And then it was like, yeah. ah, like I legitimately remember, like I was pro- like in junior year, I legitimately remember like just sitting there and I was like, well, my mom reads the Bible when she's having a tough time. So maybe yeah. I'll read the Bible. And then it was like, oh, like this is how it all comes together. Sure. What'd you flip open to? Uh, Proverbs. Yeah, do you remember weird. what it said? Proverbs 14. Like, that's not even, like, anything, like, life-changing, but I was just like, but wow. You, rem- you remember it now to the day. Like, you remember specifically. What's the takeaway you had from it? What was in Proverbs 14? Um, I think it, it was some verse about if you make your bed, like, you have to lie in it. And I was like, oh, you were going to call me out like that, like right now in this moment. And that, that was also kind of when I realized like Jesus does speak to you through the Bible. Cause I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I just did. Like that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed you, as you recall this memory, you still feel, you used to feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is good. Like sometimes you need that reminder. Of like, right. Ah, like Jesus picked me up. Here we go. Let's keep yeah. going. <laughs> Sabrina, so okay. So fat we're gonna we're gonna hit fast forward a little bit. Um you come, you transfer schools, you're thinking college is out. Or not college, sorry. Teaching is out. Teaching is out. I'm going into child and family development. I want to be a I didn't know. When you didn't I know? I just knew I wanted to do child and family development. Yeah. I did not have a clue what I wanted to do with that. Yeah. Um, I was teaching preschool at the time. And so that just made sense to me. I was like, well, it's not a teaching degree, but it's something that will keep me in preschool. Yeah. Um, I mean, fast forward to now, I'm applying to grad school to be a marriage and family therapist. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I you got see, there. You but wanted the to see you want to do MFT. You want to be an MFT working. Are there certain issues that you're like, I want to work in these issues? Um, I wouldn't say there's who's, certain- like, who's an ideal client. Like you get to make an ideal client. Who's someone you want to, who, you, who do you want to help? Literally everyone. Like, I don't Our think world, I don't have like a client. Like I obviously want to work with clients, but I really want to work with churches and like help them write curriculums for families. Like, okay, okay, go on. Speak more. Well, like, churches have been using the same curriculums for, like, ages. Like, there's stuff that we use at church now that I used as a kid. And, like, that's not a problem. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that childhood has changed. And, t- like, being a teenager has changed. Being Sabrina, an adult has changed. Be honest. Be honest. I think there's a little bit something wrong with it. Be honest. <laughs> if you want to change the whole thing, what needs to be updated? What's the problem? Um, I mean, we've kind of lost the idea of family involvement, of family, like, attention, like, families doing stuff together. I feel like people drop their kids off to go to kids' church, and then they go to their own thing. Or, like, like, there's a separation of, like, church and, like, kids and parents and babies. Like, there's so much separation. Like, there's not, like, a family connection component. Like, in some cases, there is. But I feel like we've lost the idea of like a family coming together for the same faith. Like yeah. I've seen one church that has a, they have a 
like a sermon on Sundays for the parents and they do the same sermon for the kids and the teens, but they make it like on their level so that they can go home with questions and like talk about it and like interact with each other. And I'm like, that's what you should do. Like, yeah. if you're going to make it a family faith, then make it a family faith. So it's integrated. So for you, it's not, you're not working in a, um, a counseling center in your ideal future. You're working with churches to integrate the ch- the children's, what I called Sunday school growing up with um, the parents t- teaching, preaching. Yeah. 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 I think like, like parents used to teach their kids everything which like they don't need to teach their kids everything like teachers are important i just think parents and families can work with the teachers in their children's lives to like bring all of that home like bring it all together yeah like there's just so much separation between school and church and extracurriculars like there's no like family connection of all of it it's too disjointed in your view mm-hmm. you make me think of um like you're familiar with the concept of of parents as teachers yes <laughs> so it's a similar sort of thing yes maybe parents as preachers yeah why not <laughs> that's, maybe that's a lame pun it could be i like it though <laughs> sabrina i'm really liking this conversation i hope you are too um i want to ask you now a little bit more about the enneagram and here's why I am in the process of making a curriculum for a new class at UCM um, next spring called Exploring Spirituality in College. In it, the Enneagram plays a role as a tool, okay? I've been using the Enneagram in different contexts, both for me, for spiritual formation and development, um, but then also in the workplace for um, some professional development, but then also like early kind of thoughts and talks about spiritual matters, meaning um, that we have these ways that we tend to present in in work and life, you know, that are, are related to internal motivations, as you said in the outset of this conversation. And uh, let's also, let's find ways to talk about that. What would that be like to talk about some of that in work context, you know? Um, and so I've been interested that I've been using that as a tool. Um, and I'm curious about the value that you think it could bring to students in college, if at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the Enneagram is valuable to everyone, um, especially like after doing all of that research on it. Um, I can see how it's valuable to literally everyone but for college students i think like in college you're going through all sorts of things but i think you really start to learn how to have relationships with people so like you learn how to have relationships with like your professors on a professional level and like your classmates and like making friends and you start like really getting into like serious dating and like the enneagram for me anyways has helped me understand like how i like contribute to relationships in my life. So like, I think for college students, like that'd probably be like the biggest thing is because then you can like, you really get to understand like who you are and how you like have relationships with people. And I think relationships kind of take you very far in life. Um, So like, I mean, obviously it's not like anything super cool and how to make you smart and academically 
amazing, but like relationships are kind of everything. So yeah, you're saying maybe that people have overvalued other things in their life, like maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe I'm thinking a college student might overly be concerned about his or her internship or his or her, you know, first job placement. And you're saying, oh, I wouldn't do it at the cost of getting relationships right. Yeah, I have definitely put uh, my academics before everything else in like the past and like that never really paid off for me but like now as I'm about to graduate like I've made all these relationships with people and now it's like hey you're looking for a job like I know somebody who's like hiring and you would be great for it or it's like hey I'm making a job for you like because I already have all these relationships and plus like like your relationships like your friends and your family like they're the ones that are going to support you when you're like struggling with all of your academics so it just makes more sense to invest in those more than you would invest in like I don't know I lost my train of thought (laughs) no I I think what you're saying is as you're as you're doing worrying about these other things which are also important academics your job etc etc your experiences saying don't do it at the cost of also maintaining relationships you know because you don't want to you don't want to start off in your new professional life undervaluing relationships yes (laughs) so you're going through the Enneagram you do it I understand you to be an Enneagram six I am an Enneagram six (laughs) I understand you to be Enneagram six because this is in your email signature it is so tell me comments about it I love it (laughs) can you can you give me since you're since you're an expert in Enneagram give us a very quick overview of the nine types can you do that is that that's kind of big like like just real quick, like yeah. So someone's listening and like I may be this type, but maybe that type. Okay, <laughs> we'll start at the beginning. Yeah. Which the beginning is actually Enneagram Type Two. You don't start with number one, um, but Type Two is the helper. Um, their whole goal in life is just to help everyone else around them at the expense of themselves. Like they would rather help literally anyone else than themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> type Three is the performer and. I also call them the chameleon because they can like fit themselves into any situation because they want to be successful. Like that's their only goal is to be successful. Yeah. Whatever they're doing. Um, Type fours are the romantics and it's pretty much just how it sounds. Like they are always in their head coming up with like, they just want to be unique. Like they just want to be one of a kind, which like they are, but they don't think so. So they are just like are constantly working to be different. Right. Um, Type fives are the observers or the researchers. They are like super introverted and they love knowledge. Like they just want to know more about everything. Um, They're they're like the introverted, like nose in a book kind of people. Like those are type fives. Yeah. You're doing great by the way. Oh, thanks. Type six is me. Um, I'm So type sixes are the loyalists and they are just like really, really loyal to their friends, their family, organizations. Like if they love something or someone, they are ridiculously loyal to it, like loyal to it to a fault, like probably past the point that they need to be, but that's okay. Um, Type sevens are the optimists. They are just like super positive people. Like they, but they don't like negativity. So they just like actively avoid negative conversations, negative feelings, negative memories, like 
I've never met a seven who like just sits there and is like, you know what? I had a bad day today. Let me tell you why. It's always like, you know what? One good thing happened today and here's why. And I'm like, okay, but what else you got going on there, bud? But yeah. that is a seven. Um, type eights are the challengers. Just like it sounds, right. they will challenge whatever you're saying. Like, even if they agree with you, they're going to find something else to say. Like, they're just like super protective people of like who they are, who their people are. Like, they're just going to challenge you. So you just got to be ready for it. Yeah. Um, type nines are the peacemakers. And they just, they don't want anyone to fight. Like, they would rather just agree with whatever is going on. And just like keep everything going relatively smoothly um and they don't like to bring up conflict either so like if they're having an internal conflict or if they're having conflict with someone else they're just gonna like sit there and be like it's fine yeah everything's fine yeah and then type ones are the perfectionists and they are obsessed with control like they just want to control everything they need everything to fit into their little boxes type ones are interesting because they are the only type with like an internal judge like we all think we have an internal judge but type ones have an internal judge that like literally judges every single thing that they do uh-huh. and i have so much more like compassion and like patience for my friends with who are type ones now because i understand that like there's literally a tiny voice in your head going off that's like you're not doing good yeah but you are you're doing great <laughs> well done sabrina <laughs> that's, that's one of the I didn't even tell you I put you on the spot you were going to have to give me an overview and all and you did like I would point people to say Sabrina just did this in three minutes if you were interested in it so now people heard it they they listen they're probably like I'm one of these maybe they think they're one of these two or three and maybe at the end today we can point people to how they could do like an assessment right to talk yeah. about how they can figure it out but um I know as someone who's you, you're encouraged to not do this, but it's impossible when you meet someone to to know right who it is, what they're dealing with. So I know you've already done this with me, right? Maybe you might have a vibe. What's the signal you're getting? I'll tell you if you're close or if you're wrong. Oh my goodness, I mm, I don't know. I'm so I've gotten really good at picking out like people's triads. So like I'm kind of getting a head triad from you. So like either a five, six, or a seven. Yeah, like, you're, you're there. Say, you're in. I wanted to say five at first, but yeah. then I like actually talking to you. I'm thinking more of like maybe a seven, just because like you're super like positive. Definite seven. You are. Well done. Oh yes. <laughs> Definite seven. My friends and I play this game where I pick out. Enneagram types and TV shows. <laughs> well, see, now we're ge- now we're getting nerdy, and and I want to go back to that comment you said about TV shows too. Now we're getting nerdy because I want to say I'm glad you saw Five Part because that's my growth link. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's what I'm I'm wanting to get in that and having mistyped I think before is a five and sometimes it's a two. Um, my mother's a two, but uh, yeah, I'm the definite seven, and I want to ask you. Yeah, for people are, who are in the conversation don't care about the numbers we're talking about. What was the insight? Give me some insights that you had as you're getting into this material. Because you know what it's like to read about this the first time. It's not a super comfortable process. I, I, I liken this to, um, to feeling sometimes like uncovered in a way that is not uh, in a vulnerable sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but how would you, how would you describe it? It's not like like the Myers Briggs or like 
the five voices or whatever where it like makes you feel better about yourself you're like yes like i am that person it's more of like hey it this is who you are you have these faults like because you're human it's not like the way that i've like all the books that i've read and like the blogs and stuff everyone's been like you're human like you make mistakes but like be aware of those so that they don't rub off into every other thing in your life Mm -hmm. like i like it was it was not a comfortable process like you said like to read about sixes i was like "Mm." because i was reading through all of these and i was like this sounds like me and i was like but this is not good but then it like like, but then you also learn like the good things about yourself too like you're like so i want to hear i want to hear both and it's it's obviously it's a total six thing that you're like not good what's it give me that what's the one that you're like oh my gosh well the first the first thing i knew i knew i was a six because the first thing i learned about them was that they are the most anxious type and as someone with literal anxiety i was like ah i'm pretty sure this is me like yeah my people but then it got to the part where it was like sixes they like stay like with people that they're loyal to like much longer than they need to and i'm like "Mm, i've definitely done that too like you can hurt me five million times it's fine i'm just gonna stay here and love you like yeah but once you learn that you can kind of be like you know what i don't need to do that like sure but then it makes you like then you're aware like i'm a loyalist so then the people that love me like i can love them the same way like so find someone who's earned it deserves it maintains that loyalty as you're reading it was there anything that pissed you off (laughs) um i mean yeah not all sixes but some can get defensive everyone everyone can get defensive every type gets by the way we should say every type at some time can deal with anything any other type can yeah right we we agree with this but saying for everyone else here but the, but you're saying it's inflected differently for different people. It's not that you're never optimistic because you're not a seven, right? And that I'm, or that I'm never anxious because I am a seven. Uh, but where I'm curious, the thing that you read and and you're like, you pushed back hard or something. You you know you took personally. I did read that sixes could get really defensive, and I was like, that's not even true. I'm not defensive at all. And then like I was like. <laughs> But then, like, I thought about it, like, I literally thought about it for, like, a whole day. And, like, throughout the day, I would start to get defensive with people. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm not defensive. And then I was like, shoot, maybe I am. Like, darn. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, what's the one I read? And where you feel like you're going along, you're like, yep, do that. Yep, do that. Yep, do that. But then there's, like, one you're like, ooh. And I think from mine was lacking empathy for people who are going through a tough time where I, I didn't want to believe that that was true because it sounds kind of at best cold-hearted at worst sociopathic um <laughs> but but it really is not that I, when he says lack empathy i think it means more in those moments it's not that i it's not that a seven or i'll make it personal that i don't see the thing you're dealing with it's that I immediately want to get to the action and solution. Yeah. Where it's not like, I, it, it feels like downplaying, and, and I know in some way in like a therapeutic sense it is downplaying, like the pain or the problem, um, which can be problematic, but then also it's a little bit, oh, you mean to tell me you did just get dumb? 
well, then we need to start talking about a game plan to get you back on on track. You see what I'm saying? So yes. it's, it's, it, it's, I, that's how I understand it. But then I also realize that there's sometimes, like you mentioned with the friend who you're like, tell me about your day. And you sense that they're withholding or that they're glossing over um, for themselves. But then it's worse to the friend when they feel like they're doing it to you. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that was your day. Okay, well, what are we going to order on the menu tonight? Yeah. <laughs> so I was defensive about that. Yeah, it's okay. We all get defensive sometimes. Thanks for forgiving me. You're welcome. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, you know, as we're coming up, and this is this is already the longest episode. I think I'm we've so just... Sorry. No, don't apologize. It's like organic. I like it. Um, and it's the longest conversation we've ever had because it's our first conversation. I'm curious for you, and maybe this is a way to kind of round it out. In what ways, if at all, do you see the Enneagram informing your understanding about spiritual things in your life? Um, I mean, it kind of already has a little bit. Um, I think like, this is just me, because I tried to kind of put Jesus everywhere in my life. But I feel like once I learned like I was a six, I was like, where, like, where does that come from in the Bible? And like, I literally Googled like the Enneagram and the Bible, because sometimes you just got to start with the basics. Yeah. But, like, it took me to Ruth. So like the book of Ruth is about this girl Ruth <laughs> and and she's like they typed her as an Enneagram six because she goes with her mother-in-law on this journey back to wherever but it's like who would do that like who who was who in their right mind is going to be loyal enough to like go with their mother-in-law to some strange land that they've never been to but I was yeah. like yeah but then like you read it and you're like oh that makes sense and then it kind of takes you back to the bible of like the bible the new testament which is like what you're supposed to base your life life off of as a Christian. Uh -huh. um, but it's like, you know, Jesus calls us to be loyal to our friends. Like he tells you that. And it's like, he gives you all those things. Like blessed are the peacemakers, type nines, peacemakers. Like you're called to make peace with the people around you. Like, and you kind of find those little tidbits everywhere. And yeah. like, I just thought that was really cool because like, I mean, yes, like you'd have to put time and thought into like finding like, jesus in the enneagram or like christianity as a whole in the enneagram but yeah i mean it's made me like a softer person i feel like because i've like recognized the faults in myself and i could kind of like be like hey how do i fix this mm -hmm. like how do i like extend grace how do i love people despite the fact that i'm defensive and anxious and all those sorts of things like i mean in a in my head, it makes sense that, like, the Enneagram is, like, the nine, like, like, characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Like, I know we call them the fruit of the Spirit, mm -hmm. but I'm not honestly sure how it would, like, line up directly to the fruits of the Spirit for, in Galatians. But, like, mm -hmm. like, I feel like we are all, we all have characteristics of the Holy Spirit because we're all made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me that, like, he would give us all different characteristics of his. And so like the more you get to know everyone else, the more you get to know God. And so then like you get to heaven one day and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I have that character that you gave me. Like, 
and my friend has this character that he like you gave him and like that's amazing like to me that's just what it looks like like in my head I'm like yeah like Jesus gave us all these characteristics like he couldn't put them all in one person so he gave them yeah. to all of us yeah I, I I have to look into that lining it up have you read the um the book about the Enneagram by Richard Rohr and Christianity have you I read it thing i think i read parts of it for my paper but i don't think i read like i have it somewhere yeah if you, I'll, I'll loan it i'll loan it oh you have it i'll loan it to you if you're interested um yeah i thought that book was really interesting um and uh because roar roar writes from the perspective of obviously you know his perspective um but then he talks about his interactions with um the different types but then also does so from like a pastoral level where you know he talks about you know uh like things you're going to want to watch out for or things you're going to want to be careful for and i really appreciated that um almost there was like a grandfatherly gandalf way um i probably showing too much of my nerd nerdness there um but uh that i really appreciated in that book and and in your answer to that last question made me think of it um what do you feel like people most misunderstand about christianity so many things <laughs> i like think what? i think that for anyone who's not a christian i think they really view the church as like this scary authority authoritative figure that just like yeah. wants to control your whole life yeah um i think the reality is like christianity is not the church like the church should be an extension of Christianity, but Christianity is not the church, like the American church that we think of. It's like Christianity is literally your relationship with Jesus Christ. Like yeah. the way that you talk to him, the way that he talks to you, like reading, reading the Bible, doing worship songs, like everyone has their own way of loving Jesus and like enacting the things that he tells us to do. But I think that so many people are caught up on the fact that the church like the big C church is just like trying to control certain aspects of their lives, which like, that's a whole nother thing. But I think it's just like, it's not, it's not this big, scary authority figure. Like church is just where you go to share the way that you love Jesus with other people who yeah. also love Jesus. It's not like trying to control everything. <laughs> a lot of sixes I know are pretty good at saying things from both sides of an issue. What, what, what objection to your faith do you feel, um, well, I won't say do you feel is the strongest, but one that, but that you say, no, Christians have to have a good answer for this objection because it's a strong objection. So maybe it's not one you just, you one you agree with, but you know, but maybe one that you're saying Christians haven't done a really good job of answering this quest, objection or responding to it throughout time or even now in this cultural moment. That's a big question. It's a big one. I don't know. Okay. Is that an answer? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know either. I don't I mean, know if I know. I don't know. I, I, but I think it goes back to, like, the church thing. Like, there's a difference between the Christian church, like, big C church administration, and then, like, the Christian church, like, people. Like, yeah. people are called to be the church that, like, 
shares the love of Christ. But like the big C church is just kind of like there to keep Christians accountable. I don't really know, honestly. Yeah, I don't know sure. what the like what sometimes I just like mm, I don't like it. But <laughs> no, it's a I, it's kind of when I say it's an unfair question. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of a big one for us to answer on a, on a chat on a Wednesday. <laughs> But 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 it's one that you know I, I sometimes you know when I'm interacting with people because even on this podcast you know I talk to people that that don't identify as Christians you know or they or um, you know I hope to actually talk to more people who you know are of other faiths and I'm invited if you to do that because um, I'm also interested in how they approach the same questions every human approaches which is how will I live my life and what do I you know think is ultimately important. Um, and that's, you know, something I actually want to help students do. And I, and I don't think they should have to ascribe to my faith or specific faith to help them there. Um, that that's kind of like a professional obligation, kind of like you would, you know, as you're like in a, in a marriage family therapist, you're not going to not treat someone because, you know, they don't ascribe to, you know, your beliefs, but that made me think of it. And I thought, well, let's see, let's throw, let's throw this, let's throw this, let's throw this, uh, this volleyball in the air and see if we spike it. And sometimes they follow the ground, Sabrina. That's just what happens. Um, but hey, um, is there any question you wished I asked you or anything you wished we talk about today? Um, I don't know. I feel like you asked so many good questions. Like, I feel like you covered everything. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this. Um, I really enjoyed this. And um, I'm glad we had a chance to to sit down and and get to know each other a little bit more. And um, was really impressed by your research topic. And you know, I'm there was some jealousy. I think, if I'm honest with you, confessing it to you, that um, you know that maybe you you got to something first. But I know the enneagram is kind of big enough that maybe I can you know, go back and see what other, what other things we can do with it, you know, in, the, in a college context, but. Yeah, go for it. And yeah. you did such, you did such a great job doing an overview today. It was really killer. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> it's evident. It's evident. Well, hey, thanks for your time. And you gave me a whole hour, very generous of you. <laughs> and, um, wow, I can't wait to share this out with everybody. And, uh, it was a good chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. <laughs> cool. Hey, I'll holler at you later, okay? Okay, cool. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>